If you've been on social media at all the past couple of weeks, or really in the past couple of years, you know that when issues hit the internet, they tend to blow up like an explosive. So when some really heated and emotionally charged current events started to blow up on social media in the past week, I turned to the scriptures and to talks and sources of truth to try to find not only answers to my questions, but how to appropriately share whatever God might want me to share. The answers that I found were different than I expected, mostly centered around being a peacemaker. So that's what we're going to talk all about today, the need for a peacemaker in this world and how to become one. So we had an eventful weekend that I actually lost a lot of sleep over and it started with Friday, the announcement of the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And I just observed how people dealt with that for the next few days. And there was so much outrage and contention and fighting and a lot of negativity. And I understand there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of emotions. It's, you know, a weighty subject. But I thought a lot about not only what my thoughts and feelings were on that issue, but also how interesting it is to see how our society responds to things now versus before social media. And sometimes it really can feel like social media is such an echo chamber and anything that pops up, other people start echoing it and repeating things. And that can go either way. It can go good or bad. And One of the things that I really focused on as I studied out in my mind and heart how to deal with all of this and how to be a force for good, honestly, one of the things that kept coming to me over and over was to be a peacemaker. And I think that the world is lacking peacemakers right now. And interestingly, in our last general conference, I felt like we heard so many messages about being a peacemaker. I felt like that was a theme. You know, sometimes general conference will have certain themes and for whatever reason, I felt like peace or being a peacemaker was a theme over and over in multiple people's talks. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Neil, do you want to start with maybe some of your thoughts or where you've been recently with peace or finding peace in your life? Yeah. I think for me, I've been on a a bit of a journey to discover peace, if you will, and to be at peace. We've talked about it several times in the podcast. Our first podcast was all about my brother's death and and when he was killed just over three years ago, there were people who killed him. And so trying to work through the process of, of that and understanding more about the atonement of Jesus Christ and trying to use it in a different way, in a new way. And I think it's one of those situations where, I mean, yeah, it's been, it's been hard. It's been unbelievably challenging. I know the right answers and I know that we're commanded to forgive people and to turn the other cheek. And that's what Christ taught us. And through the atonement that that is possible, definitely on my own power. That's something that I don't think that that I could work through on my own. But we just had a great experience, I think, in going to Hawaii 
and just some of the experiences we had and just being a part of just a really cool group and a kind of these, this, I don't know if it's a workshop is the right term, but sure. just kind of a good group of people getting together to talk about spiritual things and how to be better and how to serve others more. And just through the course of that, really bonding with these people that were at the workshop and just feeling that I needed to, to let go of the struggle and the challenges that I've been facing in my own situation to find peace, to be at peace with the situation, what happened, everything that happened with, with my brother. And I actually, I got a blessing from some missionaries right before we left and just kind of randomly found him at church in our church building and pulled him aside and just said, Hey, I'm really struggling and and really need a a blessing to confront this. It's just at a a point where I needed to address it in my life. And it was really powerful, the things that they said and just the counsel that was given through, through a special blessing to let things go. And I really have felt different uh, ever since that. And just in letting that go and letting God handle that in accordance to his will instead of me trying to kind of press my own will. So just been a part of my, my journey so far. One of the things that you said recently that I thought was so interesting, and I don't even remember where you said it, but we were in a group of people and you said, you know, I was just sick of drinking poison and expecting the other people to die. And I thought that was really interesting that you said that because it is how anger and resentment and holding on to resentments work. You think that it's going to hurt the other person when really you're just hurting yourself. Yeah. No, and that's exactly been my experiences running different scenarios and kind of the in recovery, they talk a lot about it in, in recovery meetings is kind of this this judge and jury and in court case in your mind and you run through and in these arguments of why you're right and what happened and and replaying this over and obsessing over that over and over and over again. And it just brings on more contention and more discord in your life. And I found myself just doing that, getting caught so hard in different points in my own views and my own understandings of, and trying to work through things on my own and, and make sense of everything on my own. And really just coming to the conclusion that, that this is just ruining my life. This is ruining me. This is ruining my happiness, my joy. And really when it comes to outcomes, there's kind of very few things that I can do, if not nothing that I can do. It's all in the past and and it's, it's a situation that's now over with as far as what happened. There's still prosecution efforts on, but even with that, I mean, that's, that's out of my hands. Right. And, and so that's something that I, you know, have let go of and, and just made a decision to surrender. Well, I think this is interesting that in our most recent general conference, President Nelson taught that we are followers of the Prince of Peace. And now more than ever, we need the peace only he can bring. How can we expect peace to exist in the world when we are not individually seeking peace and harmony? It's kind of an interesting thought. If we want peace in the world, we have to be willing to start with ourselves. 
oftentimes it's kind of the, the internal locus of control, controlling the things that you can and, and, or serenity prayers is another way that I like to look at that. Looking at what can, what do I have control over? And I do have control over myself and how I respond and my reactions and my reaction does have sway and power in the effect of influence and how that can either help and build faith in others or that can tear it down and cause more discord and more contention. I can sway that either way and bring either one into reality. Well, he went on to say, I plead with you to do all you can to end personal conflicts that are currently raging in your hearts and in your lives. And I think that that's interesting. Anytime that the prophet pleads with us, that's probably something we want to pay attention to. He kind of gets into how we can do that. So he gives five suggestions. And the last one is end conflict in your personal life. He says, exercise the humility, courage, and strength required both to forgive and to seek forgiveness. And he says, between now and Easter, so it was just before Easter, I invite you to seek an end to a personal conflict that has weighed you down. Could there be a more fitting act of gratitude for Jesus Christ and his atonement? And I know that Easter has passed, but if you are a follower or believer in Jesus Christ, it's always a good time to give a gift to the Savior. And then I always love it as well whenever our leader gives us a promise. So he said, I promise personal peace and a burst of spiritual momentum if we do this. And another talk. So as I was saying earlier over the weekend, I spent literally hours and several days reading and studying everything I could to kind of figure out how to be ready to know how to try to represent the Savior in the way that He would want me to in all of the chaos and conflict that was going on on the internet. And the talk that I found that was extremely helpful in more than one circumstance was called Following Jesus Being a Peacemaker by Neil Anderson. And he talks about how to do this. So how does a peacemaker calm and cool the fiery darts? Certainly not by shrinking before those who disparage us. Rather, we remain confident in our faith, sharing our beliefs with conviction, but always void of anger or malice. So the part about being void of anger or malice is really important because I I think that when we look back at the Savior's life, he never used anger or malice, like he said, to convince people of his side of any argument. It was always with love. It was always done with love and patience and kindness. And he also goes on to say, as Jesus taught, we don't eradicate evil with more evil. We love generously and live mercifully, even toward those we think to be our enemies. Reverend Brown is is someone that he talks about. Reverend Amos C. Brown is a national civil rights leader and pastor in the Third Baptist Church in San Francisco. And he is a friend of our prophet, President Nelson. And he taught about being a peacemaker and said, peacemakers are not passive. They are persuasive in the Savior's way. And I really liked that too, that we don't have to be passive, but we can be persuasive in the Savior's way. I think on on that, there's a book that I really like, is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of the principles is 
the best way to win an argument is to avoid it. But then also is to avoid your first reaction to something or a negative situation to where it's like kind of your knee jerk reaction is to react with anger or frustration or whatever it may be. And so taking a minute to listen to the spirit, like avoiding that first knee jerk reaction and then trying to tap into the spirit, it's extremely hard in the moment, especially depending on what it is. But I did think that was really something that was powerful and has been helpful to me to recognize that like that initial emotional response often is, is not the correct one Yeah, and, and can just create and escalate more tension. And now it's just even scarier because you can go online. You can really have a negative voice and, and really go off and have it blasted out to all kinds of people in a moment of anger and in a moment of frustration. And then potentially that has the, the power to be permanent. Like it's really hard to retract that. It's really thinking and feeling the spirit and understanding how the savior would respond or, or what God, how God would have you respond in a certain situation prior to making like a knee jerk reaction. So really interesting just to think about. Well, to go right along with that, Elder Anderson continued in his talk to say, some of the attacks upon the savior were so malicious that he said nothing. And this is, in Luke 23, and the chief priests and scribes vehemently accused him and mocked him, but Jesus answered them nothing. There are times when being a peacemaker means that we resist the impulse to respond and instead with dignity remain quiet. And I I do think that there are several times when, you know, there are people that are trying to put Jesus in this gotcha situation. And sometimes he just responds with, no response because that's the way of being a peacemaker. And then I also think this is maybe even more interesting that Elder Anderson, Jesus taught us to withdraw from the circle of anger and contention. In one example, after the Pharisees confronted Jesus and counseled how they might destroy him, the scriptures say that Jesus withdrew himself from them and miracles occurred as great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. That was in Matthew twelve fifteen. I think sometimes too, when things get really heated, it's not only appropriate to maybe not say anything, but sometimes you just have to withdraw. Sometimes if changing the subject or not engaging in the contention doesn't work, you have to just have the courage to, and know that the right thing is to just, you know, maybe walk away or remove yourself from the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's interesting to watch like a high, highly charged situation escalate. It's not, it starts with something just really small and inconsequential. And then it just, one person reacts, causes a reaction. The other person that gets defensive, then gets aggressive. And it just suddenly something that began just so small, people end up getting hurt or even killed. And, and you look back at the original starting point, the origin of what happened, and you're just like, man, is that really, is it really worth it? Was it really worth it? I've seen the situation. I just remember growing up as a kid, watching people get into fights at school and just how foolish some of those 
reasons were. It was somebody was looking at somebody or somebody bumped into somebody and it was a misunderstanding or whatever. And then the end result is people hurt, people in trouble and, and looking at it, it's just begs that question of, is it, is it really worth it? And I look at now, um, you know, it may not be like a physical fight or something and like an altercation, but ruining a relationship over, ruining a friendship, ruining something, relationship with a member of your family. Like, is it, is it really worth it? Is the incident that happened, whatever it may be, is it worth completely losing a relationship over? And I think it just comes down to that factor of contention and of escalation and of pride and exchanging hurts. And somewhere someone has to make the decision to be a peacemaker and to break the cycle and to break that circle in order for there to be a progression and to be resolved. And I think that's why Christ is so speaks to that in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about it. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's just in the scriptures as well. In the, in the Bible, there's several instances in the, in the book of Mormon book of scripture that we use as members of the church of Jesus Christ, where Christ specifically taught that himself. And I really love any time that Christ is speaking, I've really tried to study that lately and look at it and be like, if Christ is saying something himself, like I really need to pay attention and especially if he's repeating it. And I think that it's really interesting in several different instances. I think of this, this story in, in the book of Mormon, when he comes to visit the people in the Americas, the first thing that he does is he talks, he warns them about contention yeah. and he says it, he's like, this is what, how we need to do things. This is how we need to baptize. Like there have been contentions among you. The contention is not of me and, it, and it's of the devil. Like calls it out so specifically and of all things that he could open up with after saying, I am Jesus Christ. He says, there shouldn't be disputations among you. So there's obviously something to that. And it's, it's something that's important enough for him to say that right out of the gate. President Nelson also gave an incredible talk in 1989. This was right after my favorite talk of all time was given, Beware of Pride. So I think it was the next day. Elder Nelson at the time gave a talk on the canker of contention and he quoted, I love this. He quoted Abraham Lincoln who said, quarrel not at all. No man resolved to make the most of his time can spare time for personal contention. Better give your path to a dog than be bitten by him. And he just talks a lot about how contention is ruining people individually and the home and families and that it's just an easy target for the adversary. He loves to stir up contention wherever he can because, and I feel this, like it's a little bit like we talked about last week with spiritual blind spots. But when you're in that moment of contention, it's really hard to see the full picture, right? Because you just get so caught up in your feelings. But this is definitely one of the ways, and, and this is a favorite quotation of mine from Beware of Pride when he talks about how really what pride is, is enmity, which is being in a state of opposition toward God or anyone else, hatred toward hostility to or a state of opposition. And then 
this is really the key line. He says, it is the power by which Satan wishes to reign over us. And isn't that true? I feel like when I'm in true contention, when I just feel anger or rage or frustration or hurt, it's like I am no longer being influenced or led by the Spirit. I'm definitely being influenced by the adversary. And that's just a huge win for him. This is one of my go-tos is to open this talk, Beware of Pride, from April 1989 and just read through it and get a reality check on how am I in opposition with someone else. Anytime I feel like I'm angry with someone or I'm totally in opposition with them and I cannot see where I'm wrong or how I could fix things, I read this talk and 10 times out of 10, I can't think of a time that I've read this talk and not felt better after and felt like, okay, here's where I can put my pride in check. Here's where I can get back on the Savior's path. Yeah. I think so much of that comes down, it does come down to pride and our own pride. And I think that that fuels the contention. And again, I think I'm just so many scriptural examples come to mind, but it's, it's the pride of, of someone and how they look toward men and how they're going to look in front of their friends or or whatever, or as leaders. And, And that really fuels kind of that negativity and fuels that contention to where you can't just let it go and let it slide. So it's, that's really crazy. Okay. I thought this was so good. This was from a spiritual leader. I think she's a pastor. Oh, let's see. She calls herself disciple, wife, mommy, writer, teacher, poet, MC. And this is a spiritual writer, Jackie Hill Perry. And she said, the amount of social pressure to add commentary to every current event is interesting. It's as if we believe a post is the primary proof of one's theological and socio-political position. To me, sometimes it seems that certain hot takes are less about the event itself and more about how one's response to said event categorizes them. A social media post becomes a tribal marker, a gang sign, an anthem for which side you represent. Not only that, these social pressures create an environment of performance and virtue signaling. A post becomes a tap dance, an act, a stage play attended by hundreds of strangers. Keep dancing and they'll applaud. What's happening to us is that we think making a post is sufficient means of changing the world and that the place to be affirmed by people that don't even know our middle names. Meanwhile, we're just talking and doing nothing. What if the first place we went to with our celebration and our outrage was to an embodied community made up of flesh and blood? People we know, who we can touch, hug, pray, or protest with. What if our words stayed at home first? A place where nuance, thoughtfulness, and wisdom could shape them. None of this is to say we shouldn't speak, but we should be slow in doing so. If and when silence seems to be the wiser option, may it be because your words found refuge away from the applause. I thought that was just beautiful. I loved that by Jackie Hill Perry. But that's basically what Beware of Pride teaches too. The proud stand more in fear of men's judgment than of God's judgment. What will men think of me weighs heavier than what will God think of me? And this is something that I thought of over and over again as I studied and pondered and prayed and studied and pondered and prayed and studied more and more over the weekend to just find peace, find answers, and know, honestly know what God would have me say, if anything, and 
how much to say, how little to say. And I was a little bit afraid, honestly, opening up my Sunday spiritual Q&A that I try to do weekly. And yet I felt like, no, you can do this because I want you to be a representative of me. And so I opened it up and I just tried to have, and I always try to do this, but I just tried to have the spirit lead me in answering each question. And I didn't shy away from any questions. I don't always get to all of them. There are never, there's never enough time for me to answer each question that comes in, but there weren't any difficult questions that I sidestepped. I answered all of the really hard ones and I answered them with the help of, I felt like the spirit guiding me and the things that I had found in the scriptures and in general conference talks. And most of it wasn't even necessarily about the issue itself, because I I believe that people should take the time to study these things out in their heart and mind, including studying the actual laws and the actual things going on where you live, first of all, but also if you're a believer and if you are a member of our church and even if you're not, but to go to sources of truth, to go where you know that truth is spoken. So for me, I really believe that we have prophets, seers, and revelators who have keys to be able to get revelation from God for our church. And we have those words all recorded in our general conference talks. So that's where I went. I went to general conference talks. I went to the scriptures. I went to prayer. I went back to my scriptures. I went back to general conference talks over and over until I found every answer I was looking for. But again, interestingly, when I opened up the spiritual Q&A on Sunday, each of the answers, as I was led by the Holy Ghost to answer each of those questions, the answers came in some way teaching about being a peacemaker. That's really where I felt the Spirit was leading me. Well, I think that makes so much sense too, like especially right now, because there's so much cause for the opposite, for contention. There's so much division and there's there's so much there's so much passion and emotion on each side of, of these big issue debates. And you just watch it unfold. And I think we're probably going to see more of that in the, in the future. But the cool thing is, is watching someone step into a situation and be a peacemaker and how that just one comment can completely change an entire room. Yeah. And I, I had a friend, one of my, one of my friends, my friend Carter was like really good at this. A lot of times people would be, I don't know, it had to do with if someone was talking bad or poorly about somebody and they're kind of getting fired up about it. He would come in and just say like something really nice about that person and just be like, you know what? I totally get it, but I, I actually like, I like this guy um, for these reasons and bring in a side, kind of an unknown side maybe, or, or a personal experience with that person that really would change things. And the whole tone of the conversation about this person would shift. And I, he would just do it all the time. And or even on debates or different things that people are getting heated about. He just come in and bring in, just had a way of bringing in a piece to the conversation and a, a perspective that was, was really refreshing and really just kind of a lot of times disarmed and, and to, like diffused a situation. 
and and got people kind of mellowed out a lot. And it's really cool to see people do that. And I think that a lot of times you can do that in in big situations, but I think most of the time it's in just the small conversations amongst ourselves, but it does have a huge impact and can be just as as effective ultimately. Here's another quotation I love. God does not send thunder when a still small voice is enough. Think about the way, and that was by Neil A. Maxwell, by the way, not by me, (laughs) but think about the way that God speaks to us. It's very, very rarely in a yelling voice, in an angry or contentious manner. Usually it's calm and a still small voice. And God is the ultimate peacemaker. And I also thought this was so interesting a few weeks ago in church when we were studying this exact talk. One of the girls in my Relief Society women's group raised her hand and said, I think there's a difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. You can be a peacemaker, but you don't have to be a peacekeeper, meaning you don't have to get in the middle of other people's arguments. You don't have to always resolve every conflict in your home or with your children. And I thought that was a really good point too, that we can choose to be like the Savior and not, he he didn't jump in the middle of fights and try to be the referee every time. His approach was always gentle, meek, kind, compassionate. And I think that a huge part of this too is is compassion and truly seeking to understand others and not just wanting them to understand you and your side and your feelings. And I think that is really key in being a peacemaker. For sure. I'll just kind of kind of wrap up some thoughts here with I love one of the leaders in our church. His name is Henry B. Eyring, one of my favorite speakers at General Conference. But he there's a there's a talk, Our Hearts Knit is one. He talks about peacemaker, being a peacemaker and peacemakers in general. He says, happily, I am seeing more and more skillful peacemakers who can calm troubled waters before harm is done. You could be one of those peacemakers, whether you are in the conflict or an observer. One way I have seen it done is to search for anything on which we agree. To that peacemaker, you need to have the simple faith that as children of God, with all our differences, it is likely that in a strong position we take, there will be elements of truth. The great peacemaker, the restorer of unity, is the one who finds a way to help people see the truth they share. That truth they share is always greater and more important to them than their differences. You can help yourself and others to see that common ground if you ask for the help, for help from God, and then act. He will answer your prayer to help restore peace as he has mine. I love that concept of building on common beliefs and looking at the things in which we do agree and using that as the unifying kind of principle of a conversation rather than the differences. And when you really focus on the common ground and the common beliefs, you come to find out that even with people that maybe you're pitting yourself against or or in conflict with that you have, you're, you're more alike than you are different. And there's so much power in that. And it's easier to have kindness and compassion. So my final thought, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that was one of his, one of the times where he taught a large group of people. Most of his teachings were one-on-one or in small groups, but Sermon on the Mount was obviously 
very large group. And one of the things that he taught that was so important for him to have that very large crowd listen to was to be a peacemaker. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. And I think that if we do really want to be like Jesus, and especially in these times of chaos and times when it feels like you have to shout really loud in order to be relevant or important or for people to think that you care, that that really is a confusing way of thought that is coming. Confusion comes from the adversary, comes from Satan every time, because Jesus is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. And he also says, peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I think that part too about let your heart not be troubled or afraid is very important too. Anytime you feel troubled or you feel heavy or these weighty things happen in the world, it's okay to take a moment to think, to pray, to ponder, to seek truth in places where you know truth is spoken and to seek peace from the Savior and then to act after that. And I'm not saying don't act or don't care or don't have passion or don't do anything. But just like you said, that knee-jerk reaction of just blowing up or getting angry about any issue or situation in life is probably not coming from God. And so as we can lean into that way of the Savior, where he says, blessed are the peacemakers, that they shall be called the children of God. If we can do that, we will be among his true disciples. I'm not perfect at that. It's something that I'm working on all the time. Neil is much better at that than I am. But it's something that as I've really, really tried to master that, I'm getting slowly getting better and seeing the wisdom in quietly, contemplatively waiting on the Lord to show me what to do and what to say and what his ways are because his ways are always better than my ways. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh